This, this lesson we've been looking at is obviously a challenge for us to become better. I'm going to be looking at 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16 in just a second. But desiring that we could become better in, in our walk with him and desiring that we could see things happen out of what we would say is me being a better um, a better follower, follower of his word and, and, and the truths of his word. So we've looked at many different areas, but we've come to this culmination of you and I being a better witness. And let me just say there are times as a father, and I understand this more than I did before, there's times as a father that I need, I need a witness. Somebody with young children could, could maybe agree with me right now. You come into the house that was clean, and somehow there's pottery that was on the coffee table that's broken. The table has leftover food scattered. There's clothes now setting off on the floor that didn't make it to the hamper. And the worst of the worst is there's a bowl of oatmeal or something like that that just placed in the sink, not even considerate enough to rinse it out a little bit so that those that have to do dishes later don't have to just work so tirelessly. But you walk in and you say, who did this? And somehow of my three, nobody did it. So somebody walked in the house while y'all were here and they wreaked havoc on this place and they broke the pottery they ate the oatmeal. <laughs> you might know what I'm talking about. And you're like, who did it? I didn't do it. But who did it for real? I didn't do it. Well, was it you? No, I was, I was up here the whole time. I'm, I'm the angel. No, was it you? No, it must have been him. Was it you? No, it wasn't you. So who did it? There's moments in life that you find that you have to have a witness. Is anybody, any parent in here saying, I know what you're talking about? Amen. Just let's let it all flow. Let's let that lift off of our backs right now. <laughs> but a witness is someone who gives evidence in relation to matters of fact or under inquiry. Someone that could say that this is what happened. I remember once um, I, I, I went to St. Louis and the Epley boys, um, I'm trying to think maybe it was Chad that was graduating and, and I wanted to do something for Chad for his graduation, so I bought some tickets to the Cardinals game, and, and we had planned it all summer long, and so we went up to St. Louis. I drove he and Jeremy up there, and, and we went, and we drove early that morning. We went to the game, but it was Daryl Kyle's honor, um, honorary game. or on, um, They were honoring him. Who said that right that way? Um, they were honoring Daryl Kyle because Daryl Kyle was, was killed in an accident and he was their pitcher. And so before I went, I thought, well, if it's something special, I want to do something special to be a part of what's happening that day. So I went to Southwest Sporting Goods and I had him make me some t-shirts for Daryl Kyle. I put DK on the front and his number was 57 and I put 57 in the back. And so I gave a shirt to Jeremy and I gave a, church, a shirt to Chad and we drove up there and we wore those red shirts. And um, i never forget, though, we were in the crowd that day, and they had already planned as well a Kodak-sponsored day where they would come, and they would have um, uh, pictures, and you could kind of stand there, and the players would come out, and you could lean over the side, and you'd get a picture. And we weren't really doing that, but we were just there, and we thought we'd go in and go for batting practice for a moment and just have a good day. And they loved baseball, and I just wanted to do something nice for them. And, and so I, I went, and we all enjoyed it. But we were wearing those shirts 
And I'll never forget when I was standing there one day, and you see one of my favorite players. His name was Jim Edmonds. He was a left-handed batter, a great, great uh, outfielder for the Cardinals, had many great moments for the Cardinals in his career. And I'll never forget looking up, and I saw Jim lock in on me. And it was like one of those moments I thought, is this like he's walking to me, and I'm like two feet behind the wall. And, and, And Chad said, you see Jim? And I said, yeah, I see Jim. And he said, he's coming right for you. And I said, I know. And I watch. And as he walks slowly, he comes right to me and he looks up at me. And I'm standing up in the bleachers in, the, in center field. And he says to me, I love your shirt. And I said, thanks, Jim. I said, you can have it. Which is no surprise to my wife. Don't say this today because I love this tie. But many times if I'm traveling somewhere and someone comes and says, I love your tie, I take it off and I give it to him. And now I've got like three ties left. So don't do it today. I don't have the budget for new ties. But, but I said you could have it. And he said, no, this is, this is his words. He said, today is not the time or the place. And I had a T-shirt underneath that shirt. So I thought, yes, it is. This is the time or place. So I had a marker in my pocket just in case we caught a ball. And I wrote on the inside of the shirt, to Jim from Paul, Chad, and Jeremy from Arkansas. And I went, and I said, guys, I'll be back. And I ran up the bleachers. I went around Bush Stadium, and I went down to the dugout area, and I waited. And I took that shirt off that, that thankfully, I hadn't sweated too much, and I folded it up. And I rolled it up in a ball, and I was able to hold it in my hand. And when Jim was coming off the field to the dugout, he had a reporter there. And I yelled. I said, hey, Jim. And Jim said, he looked around and finally somebody said, he's calling you. And I looked over and Jim came walking to me and I said, today is the time or place. And I tossed him the shirt and he took it and he took off his armband that also had DK57 on it. And he gave me the armband. I gave it to one of the guys and I shouldn't have done that, by the way. My kids would have liked to have had that. But I got the armband from him and he looked at me and he said, thank you more than you know. He said, if you had a thousand of these today, I would have bought them. I'm wishing I had a thousand. Here's the thing. I saw truly how kind and the interaction gave me a little inside to Jim. Now, here's what's crazy about that. I come home after going to one of our camps, and, I, and I'm working at the ball fields at Parks and Recreation. And the guy I was working with, his name was Gino. And Gino went with me that day to pick up the shirts because we had a little break during our job. And he helped me pick the shirts up. He, he sees me when I come back after one of our camps. And he said, did you give that shirt to Jim Edmonds? And I said, how did you know that? He said, ESPN in the zone, they had a show at the time they were doing. The Cardinals were headed to the World Series. And ESPN in the zone said to Jim, late in the, or it was later in the year, he said, uh, they said, tell me about these shirts you've been wearing under your home jersey. And he, he said, well, they're DK on the front. And they say 57 on the back. And he said, where did these come from? How did this start? He said, I was at the game where we honored Daryl. And there was a guy out in center field that I, I, I saw him wearing the shirt. He came around the, the dugout and gave me the shirt. And I ended up getting some made for our whole team. And that's the shirt we wear under our home jerseys every home game throughout the playoffs. It kind of crazy. Y'all didn't know I had connections like that. That was before you could really snap something, go back and watch it later. It was just live. I could not believe it. I, I, I found a little segment where he was there, but I never got to see it myself. But I was blown away. Another friend said the same thing. He got to see it. And, and I was able then to really understand who Jim Edmonds was for a moment, a small moment. 
And I was able, let me just say it this way, I was able to witness the kind of person that he was beyond the screen, beyond the game, beyond the, the flair of Major League Baseball. I was able to get a look at who he was. But the Bible talks about you and I being witnesses, not in the ways mentioned above, but instead witnesses to the power of the crucified and resurrected Jesus as a follower. When you're commanded to be witnesses for Christ, it's not really uh, this this far-fetched idea that we can just speak and just say, but it's more to understand what he's done and what he's capable of and how he's changed my life, how he's changed your life, and who he is. The disciples were called to be witnesses unto him before he ascended unto heaven. So you and I must ask ourselves this question is, are we Witnesses, the fundamental job of a Christian, the fundamental job of a follower, the fundamental job of you and I is to be a witness. Being somebody that follows after him, being someone who walks with him in its simplest, simplest form is sharing with others what Jesus has done for you. That's the simple, simple, uh, um, our walk and our assignment in a nutshell. That you think, well, I don't, I don't know what I would ever say to somebody. I don't know what I could do. I don't know. I don't have the words to speak. Here's the words you should speak. What has he done for you in your life? So it's offering up evidence. Offering up evidence from your own experience that would validate that Jesus is who he said he was and who his book, his book says he is. And so we find throughout the book of Acts that this, and we'll find in Acts 1 and 8, Trish, but the mandate that was for Jesus' followers then and for his followers now and yet to come, but you shall receive power after that uh, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. You shall be witnesses. It says you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus tells his followers that they will receive a comforter called this Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. They'll receive a comforter and that spirit will empower them to become witnesses. You say, well, I can't do it on my own. That was never the point. The point was was is that when that came upon you and the power came upon you that you would be able to do things that you could not do on your own. Jesus tells them that they are to share the good news about him, their experiences with him. Um, uh, they're, they're to tell people everywhere about what's happened. The Greek word used for witness is martus, which comes from the actual word of martyr. It's, it's, a, it's a word that shows up throughout the books of Act, book of Acts, and the early Christians were oftentimes given this. Stephen was a martyr. He was beaten for believing and beaten to, uh, while he lived out this thing in his life that was a witness. He was, it was simply uh, um, God's people that would live out no, no matter the cost, no matter who thought what they thought, no matter what maybe someone put as a title on you, no matter what someone shunned you and said about you. It was somebody that would say, I 
I believe it. I'm a witness of it. I saw it with my own eyes. I experienced it. It was true. I know for a fact I was once lost, but now I'm found. I know I used to live that way and think that way, but he changed my life. That's what is being spoken about in this, in this text. So the, the reason why he speaks this is he's encouraging them to expand this gospel, to expand the circle of these words and be a witness. And he, he goes on and he says this. He says, Jerusalem, okay, we can do that. But then he goes a step farther. Judea, okay. Samaria, what? Samaria. You want us to go to the Samaritans? And he goes a little farther. He says, even, goes farther, the ends of the earth. In other words, what he's saying is the places that you and I can't even fathom, the places you and I would never, ever think about going and speaking a word. What he was telling them is this, no matter who they are and where they are, no matter where they come from, or let me just say it this way, the color of their skin, no matter if they've got money or no money, if they've got, if they've been messed up or they've been hung up or they've got all these things going on, no matter where they're from, you've got to know one thing, is they've got to know about the power of the spirit that's come on you, and they've got to know there's a way they can be changed, there's a way their life can be changed. There's no place on earth that we are not meant to be advocates for the goodness of God. We've got to share our story. We've got to tell. We've got to let people know. We've got to let them know exactly what's happened. So there's certainly many things Jesus wants us to do in response to his grace and forgiveness. We need to simply be people of his word. We need to be people that, that are, are people of the word of God. We need to know that we've got to be people that spend time in prayer. Let me encourage you that this house should not be the only place you pray. I ought to find a place to pray at home. i got to find a place that I know I can spend time in prayer at home. We need to also be people that understand the importance. And let me just stress this for a moment, the importance of being in the house of God. There's a reason why we do this. There's a reason why it's good to come together. There's a reason why the body goes together to the house of the Lord. There's a reason why it's important for you and I to glean. It's important for you and I to do this together, to understand that my kids have to know that we, on Sunday, we get up and we go to the house of the Lord. If you're able to, it's good for you to know that on Wednesday night, I know it's not always easy, and there's moments, I'm going to be honest with you, there's moments I think, man, I wish tonight was Tuesday. But let me be real. When I get here, I feel the liberty and I feel the freedom and I'm so thankful for all God's done. And there's things that happens on Wednesday night that's so critical. We need to be people that understand that he's moved me to also be people of the house of the Lord. The most basic response to the faith that I have or you have in Jesus is to look for any way possible that we might tell others about him. Through word and deed, we can be witness of the love of Jesus Christ. Through word and deed, we can tell about his mercy. Through word and deed, we can tell about the sacrifices that he made for us. We believe that. We understand that. We trust in that. We must not, however, be, we must not find ourselves set so far removed, so far removed from anybody who does not think like us, look like us, act like us. That we cannot tell a good word to somebody who does not know about the goodness of God. Can I just take a second with that for a moment? Can I just, just stay here for a moment? If you don't have a friend that doesn't go to this church, then you need to make a friend that doesn't go to this church. 
If you don't have somebody that you love, that are that, that, there's good people, there's good godly people out there that maybe I, I might think I've got all the truth. I believe that God has given me what I understand to be in the word of God. But there's people that will come along the way that maybe are searching and desiring more and God's placed you in the path and you ought to know and be able to sense and discern when God's given you a chance to be a friend to somebody who's longing for more and God maybe is answering a prayer by offering you a prayer that they've prayed. God, if there's more, then give me more. If there's something I need to know, then let me know it and let me see it and experience it. One of D.L. Moody's late, late meetings that he had, a man once testified, he began to speak braggadocious uh, um, tone that he had. He said, I, I, he said, I, I, I lived on the Mount of Transfiguration. I, I was there for five years. I was, he was bragging, saying, that's where I stayed. I wanted to be in a place that was so close to him, and that's where I stayed. And D.L. Moody, being a man of practicality, he responds and says, how many souls did you lead to Christ? During those years, the man hesitated. He said, I don't know. Did you see anybody's life change? Moody persisted. He responded back. I don't know that I don't know that I did. I, I don't know if that time during that time I did. Well, Moody's then responds back and he says, we don't want that kind of mountaintop experience. When a man gets so high that he cannot reach down and save poor sinners with the gospel of Jesus Christ, it benefits nobody. Let me tell you right now, when we go up high in the spirit, we will also walk back down to where real life is and tell somebody this is what the Lord has done for me and this is how he changed my life and this is how he made a way when there seemed to be no way so we've got to understand what is important and what we're called to do there are other places in the gospels where Jesus talks about what it means to be a witness in fact in the middle of his most famous sermon Jesus tells his followers that they have a very important job to do. And here's what he tells them in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. He says it this way. He says, and he tells them they are to be lights in darkness. He says it this. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Verse 15 goes on. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16 goes a little farther. Let your light so shine. This is, a, this is a, 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 a word for the church. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And I know you're saying, well, I don't want to make it about me. No, it was not supposed to be about you. It's that your light would shine and they say, well, that can't be shining. They've gone through trials. That can't be them. They've gone through situations. And that's where you then say and declare, you're exactly right. He did this in me. He made a way in my life. He changed my life. He caused me to experience that he's the one that did that very thing in my life it was because of him it's because of him it's it's important for you and I to realize how 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 important light is how important it truly truly is I I, I was driving in Batesville not I mean, it's been a few years ago. I was going there to actually preach on a weekend. I was able to do a youth event that Friday, and then I was able to speak at the church on Sunday. And 
On Friday night, I hopped in my truck, and I'm driving down the road, and it's probably about 9 o'clock at night, and all of a sudden in that moment, my headlights go totally out. And I'm driving down on a kind of a country road. I told them I'm going to stay with my brother and my sister-in-law, but it was a little more of a drive than I thought, but I had to drive back to BB to save them some money on a hotel. So I'm driving back, and all of a sudden, Brother Jerry, my lights go totally out. And I thought, what in the world? And I pull over, and I couldn't get them to come back on. And luckily, I, um, uh, luckily I, I, I pulled over, and I, there was a guy that was at a gas station there on the highway going out of Batesville. And I was a little ways out of it, and I had to sit there. I thought, I'm going to stay the night all night. I'm not going to call Rich and share at this hour, and I'm just going to park in my truck and sleep. I've done it before. But anyways, I, I didn't know what to do, but I... I, I took for granted the light, but luckily there was a guy that had a way to kind of, at the time, search out and find a relay that would work, and we were able to make that thing work. The relay had gone out, and I realized in that moment that I've not really thought about how, how important it is that I have light. I know we think about it, and I know it's there, but most of our vehicles now, the lights just come on. We don't even have to turn them on anymore. They just come on. Most of the time, we walk in our house, and we just go in, and we flip a switch, and the lights are on. If you need something else, you go out and you, you flip a switch outside or you, or you use a flashlight, you use a headlamp, you use something and it lights up and you're able to do what you need to do. We take for granted the light that we have, but have you ever thought about how tough it would be without light? And what I'm coming to tell you today, and I hope I, hope I can get through to you today, is there are people who are longing for a way for their path to be lit up. There's people who are longing for a way to see what they're going through and see what they're dealing with with. And he told us that I want you to go and be a light. You just have to be a light. You just have to let the light shine. You just have to tell somebody the gospel of Jesus is like taking a dark, dark night and lighting it up with truth and giving someone the understanding that he made a way for me and he can make a way for you. The significance of this is that, is that the disciples they wanted light. The people of God, they wanted light. And those who were there in this time, in the context of what he was saying, they're people that wanted light. It had to either be daytime or they had to light something. They had to go and get a torch or a lamp or a candle or something uh, similar. But we take the light for granted. That's why the psalmist said his word is a what? Exactly right. His word's a light. His word is, is light to me. What I'm experiencing is light. It lights up the path. It gives me understanding. He came and he desires that you and I would operate as a light for those who need so desperately something to be lit up in their lives. There's enough darkness in this world. We've got to be a light. Got to be a light. Jesus tells them in this text that he says this, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. When Jesus preaches this message, he was more likely, more than likely, he was in the hills of Galilee. And there's in, in this, this ancient Near East, there was a city often built on a high point of the surrounding area. And he made it, he made it because of this, he would make it safe from invasion. They would, they would be able to be up high and look down. They would be up high and look in, and look in the valleys. And there was also the reality that when they were a city on a hill, any travelers coming in could look up and see the lights that were shining in the city. There were gas lanterns that would be lit up. And they were 
write these things in the, in the city. And so people who were going their way, they were oftentimes looking up and they would not, not know what was ahead, ahead of them. They would not know the best path at times. And they didn't have a way to type in the GPS, take me to this city. But no, they would look up and they would see the light. And as they would go through the darkness, they would find the light. As they would go through the darkness, they would find something that was lit up and something that allowed them a path to go. And what I'm trying to say today is he came to tell us like a city on a hill, so let your light shine. Your neighbor may not know how to go, but they're looking at the light. Your friends may not know how to go, but they're looking at the light. The friend that you've been talking to may not understand fully, but they're looking for the light. And so you are the light of the world to illuminate in darkness and make a way for others. You are sitting on a hill, visible place for protection and hope and peace and joy. And your words ought to uh, uh, bring understanding even more to what you're feeling and experiencing. You ought to not, t- not, not try to re- rehearse something that someone said. Not rehearse a message you heard. Not just share a song. But it might be good for you to say, you know what? I was where you were. I was where you are. I went through what you're going through. But God made a way. And I know it sounds crazy. But I used to be a mess. I used to do those things. I used to be this, but he made a way. He made a way. He was, he's now the light I'm experiencing. He's now the hope I have. He's now the goodness that I have. And I, I got to have more of him. I've got to have everything I can of him. I'm coming to a close quickly here, but one of the greatest challenges in living a better witness in this new year is the fear of what others might think, and I know we talked about it briefly, but some of us might be embarrassed. Let me just say to you real fast that I, I applaud anybody who's maybe gone through a moment, moment of being, feeling as if someone looks on you critically, but you continue on. There's a There's accounts now on Instagram that just mock churches, not just like us, but many other churches, and they mock us. They poke fun. They laugh. They make statements. And the reality is, is I don't care. (laughs) If someone's bound up by critical behavior and someone's bound up by such hatred for the things of God that that that's what they want to that's what they want to do with their lives, then then so be it. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm thankful for the the testimony that that I have. And you, you and I have to walk in the light. Romans 1, 16 says, I am not what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. He was speaking to people who were dealing with barriers that were there. And he just went ahead and met them where they were. He said, of course, yeah, you're going to go ahead and speak to the Jews, but guess what? You're going to go farther. You're going to go to the ones that seem to hate us. Go to the ones that seem to discourage it. Go to the ones that make fun of us. Go to the ones that have the accounts on Instagram. Go to the ones that seem so far from it. Go to the ones you're just going to keep on lighting the path. How do I light the path? You know how I light the path? If I'm going here and I wish I'd have thought ahead. I asked some of the guys that, that usually have headlamps in their car. I was going to have them get a headlamp. I was going to turn the lights off. So just imagine it with me right now. I was going to have maybe Drew again come up here. But you don't have to do it right now. But I was going to bring a couple guys up here. You're sitting in the dark. 
start. And guess what? I was going to walk in with a headlamp on because sometimes that's how we look. We walk in Walmart and they're like, man, they got a headlamp on their head. You know what? That's not me. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the light that I've been given through the things of God. And I'm going to sit down beside Wesley and, and Drew who might be dealing with some darkness. And when I sit down, guess what? Just the presence of my testimony lights up the area. Just the presence of what God's done for me lights up the area. And you don't know right now, but you just being in the room oftentimes encourages somebody. You don't realize it right now, but you just being present oftentimes Help somebody. Let me ask you right now. When's the last time you just spoke a word of encouragement to somebody and you didn't want to get anything out of it? And, and I know this is going to break some of your ideas of what I should say. But your goal maybe wasn't to get them to come to church the next service. Your goal wasn't just to say, would, would, you, would you come with me? No, your goal was just simply to give them a word of encouragement. Because I know if I plant, if I plant it, others might water it. And God's going to make a way. I'm trying, my best, I'm trying my best today to tell you that when you go and you feel the Spirit nudge you, you feel... You feel as if God just spoke a quiet word in your spirit and you don't know what it is. All I'm trying to tell you is, is a smile oftentimes is a lie. Just simply a word of saying, I'm, I'm going to pray for you today. I just, I just felt to tell you, I hope this isn't okay. I hope to tell you, I, I just want to tell you, I just felt to pray for you. I woke up this morning with your mind, with you on my mind, and, and I want to pray you this morning at 345. I woke up, and there's somebody in this community that I woke up with, and that name was sitting on my forehead. That name was just right there. could not get it off my mind. And I'm going to text that person today. I didn't yet, but I'm going to text them today and say, listen, I know this might be far-fetched, but I just want you to know that I woke up this morning, and I didn't just think, oh, I need to make sure and say hi to that person. No, I felt, I felt strongly to pray for them. And so I did. I took a moment right there and I said, God, I pray you bless he and his family. I pray you bless his kids. I pray you mean every bit of brokenness, brokenness that he has. And I want him to know that there's somebody, there's somebody that has a feeling in the spirit for you. And that might be enough to simply say, you know what? I was praying that God would send somebody to me. I was praying that maybe I didn't know how to ask him. But I was praying, God, let, let me know that you hear my prayers. And just in that moment, a light switch goes on. And there's just enough in that moment for someone to know that he knows where I'm at. And he knows what I'm going through. And I, I'm oftentimes just the light. And you walk in that little barn we built. Soon we're going to start this house. Better yet, when you walk in this church. There's a lot of money in sheetrock. There's a lot of money in equipment. There's a lot of money in wire. More money in wire than there was when we bought, when, we, when it was put in. There's double the money in trusses because they had to go up twice, if you remember some of you. There's money in brick. There's money in the foundation. There's money in all of our appliances. There's money in the kitchen. There's money in all these things. But here's the reality. It all shuts down at dark unless we have the light. We can't operate, we can't come in, we can't do anything unless we have the light. And oftentimes it's those inexpensive, and I know they're a little different than they used to be, but 
It's those inexpensive things that you have to just place where they go so that you can operate in the way that you need to operate in an environment that's not conducive for it, but you can overcome it with the light. Some of you right now, you feel as if you're in an environment that's not, it's not going well, it's not working out. Well, let me tell you right now about something that can change it. What can change it is the light. Let me give you my personal testimony this morning. I grew up in this church. I grew up on these pews. I grew up watching in 10th and Main. I grew up in a stone church. I remember coming here and picking up boards after Brother Malcolm would leave them uh, uh, sitting there. He and my dad would work, and my dad would say, I need you to go clean up, and I hated coming because I wanted to build, but I didn't know how to build. So they would just say, go clean up. I was picking up shingles. I was picking up trash. I was putting them, put them in the barrels, and, and then, then I got to watch these things. I was in great services. I was in great moments where the Holy Ghost would move in. I was in moments where I thought, oh, that person's never coming back. We were crazy today. I was in those services. I was in services where, the, where things broke out. I was in services where it was dead. I was in services where things shifted. I was in services where I saw people healed. Yes, I saw those things happen where someone was in the place with one report and they walked out. We prayed and they came back and said, the doctor said it's not there. I was in that, but I was also in a place where I had to make up in my own mind. I was being pulled by two different wor worlds because just because I grew up in their house doesn't mean that it was always easy for me. I was being pulled by different things. I went to the high school. I went to the junior high. I had friends. I had all the above. I also went to school in Indianapolis where I had to make a decision for myself. Why? Because no longer is it Marvin Rutledge or, or, or Elder Paul Price or Richard Price or Debbie Price. No longer was it them. It was me by myself. I was also in a place in Houston, Texas where that church shifted and went a different direction. And I had to make a decision to leave $100,000 behind and walk away from what I had as employment and walk back into simply poverty for lack of better words. Why? Because I believed in the truth of God. Why? Because I believed in the power of the Spirit. I also... Let me tell you right now, I also went up to Northwest Arkansas and we didn't do it. Just in case you're wondering, let me stop your worry right now. We didn't go plant any other church than an apostolic church. We, we could have done it then if we were going to do it now. So get that out of your head right now. And no, we planted an apostolic church. We planted a church where people's lives were being changed. They weren't third generation. They weren't fourth generation apostolics. They were brand new people off the road, such as some of you were. And they came in and God began to move in their life and change their life and we saw people get baptized I saw one man who was an alcoholic for 40 years who was so so strapped by sin that he could not rest but when he came out of that water he felt the power of God hit him the next day he said for the first time in 40 years I was able to sleep I was able to finally get some sleep because what God lifted off of me we saw God move in a marvelous way and everything that I experienced here was good for me, but it was not everything to me. Why? Because there had to be moments where I made up in my mind. I'm not going to let depression take me over. I'm not going to let this separate me from my family. I'm not going to let this kill me. I'm not going to let this ruin me. I'm not going to let it happen. I am very keen to fall into depression. That's where I, that's where I struggle. I struggle because I feel as if it never quite matters. And then I had 
had to realize one day that I don't get my validation from this world and I don't get my validation from any of you or anybody else. I get it from the Lord. He's the light in me. He's the hope that I've got. He's the goodness that I've got. He's the joy that I've got. He's my rock and he's my foundation. So listen to me right now. I've never been hung up on any drugs. I've never been caught up in any of that, but I have dealt, Brother Sean, with depression. I've been so paralyzed by depression that I couldn't get up in the morning. I've been so caught up with it. It affected me as a father. And here's what I've got to say to you today. Because all I know is simply this. I'm not, I'm not going to be a pastor right now. I'm just going to be a witness. If you're sorry, if you're struggling. If you're bitter. I'm speak, I know I'm speaking to somebody today. If you're bitter, if you're paralyzed by your own, your own thoughts and you're so caught up in deemed validation by somebody else. I know how you feel and I know what you're going through. If you've been hurt by people and you wish somebody would have shown up and they never showed up. I know what you're feeling. I've been there. But let me do simply what I'm asking you to learn to do today. If, you get, if you'll get your eyes off people and you'll get your eyes on Him. If you'll get up the next day and just open the Word of God. If you'll get up the next day and spend five minutes. If you don't have an hour, you can't do an hour and it's new to you. If you'll spend five minutes and say, Lord, I don't know where to even start, but I need you today. And you'll go ahead and go to that job. You'll go ahead and go to that meeting and you'll stand there. And it may not happen today or the next day or the next day, but there's going to be a moment where someone's going to come with a David and they're going to say, I'm, I feel so locked up. I don't know what it is. And you can say, man, I know, I know what you're going through. But let me tell you, let me tell you, I found that I can find peace in Him that I can't find in men. I found that I can find hope in Him that I can't find in men. And when no one, no one has a word for me, I feel as if I can pray and I can feel in the Spirit there's a word for me that, that's way more than any man can do. Let me tell you right now, all I can tell you is you take what God's done for you and you go just as if you're carrying the biggest flashlight in the world and you speak it and you act it and you live it and you do it and you shine, so shine. You let it shine out of your heart. You let it shine out of your words. You let it shine out of your attitude. You let it shine out of your performance. You let it shine and let lives be changed. Jesus' name. I'm asking right now if there's anybody in this house that you just feel challenged today to share what God has done in your life and you feel as if you're going to walk out of this place with the word, with the courage, and with the desire to speak to somebody. I'm asking, would you step up from where you are and take a moment with me right now and just say, all I've got is my testimony. All I've got is what God's done for me. And it may not seem like a lot, but I'm going to do everything I can to share it and speak it and give it. In Jesus, in your name. In Jesus' name. God, I ask you to move. I ask you to help us, God. I'm asking you to do it, Lord, I pray.
tonight in Jesus' name. God, I pray you'd help each and every person in this house. I pray. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us be people that are, are simply people of the light. That we heed the call to be somebody that speaks the goodness that we've experienced in you beyond anything that possibly could quiet us or allow us to feel shame or worry or fear of anybody. I'm asking God, help us to seek out those that desire a word. Help us to seek out the broken. Help us to seek out the ones that might be feeling lost, that need something, God. I pray, help us to do it. I'm asking. And then help us just to speak, Lord, a word of our testimony and to be a witness.